Welcome to the Freedom Hut. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. Welcome, friends, to the Buck Sexton Show. Still in the fight, still pushing on. Gotta love it. Not gonna slow down. Can't stop, won't stop, Team Buck. That's how we roll. Can you see it right now? The Democrats are finally waking up to a reality, I think, here. They won't admit this. They won't say it out loud. But this whole problem with the voter fraud, allegations thereof, and evidence provided, sworn affidavits are evidence, in fact. You don't have to believe them, but they are evidence. Turns out that they are going to see this thing through. We're going to check. We're going to make sure. And you know what happens at the end of all of this? If the president, if the administration, if the campaign are satisfied that they've had their day in court, then yes, in fact, we'll move on. But not to a new GOP. That's delusional. And this, I think, is what's finally dawning on the other side. What happened in this election, you have to always understand was in a once-in-a-century pandemic. And, and I can't emphasize that enough. If we had gone into this, this election cycle with the world as it was a year ago, without COVID, without the lockdowns, the uh, massive job losses and all these things, which are absolutely not Trump's fault, any reasonable person understands that. This is not a function of his policies. It's not a function of decision-making in the White House. They pretended, but that's just absurd. We all know that the likelihood of a resounding Trump victory was very high under those circumstances. And even under those circumstances, we have the GOP now poised to maintain control in the Senate and to pick up House seats. Usually the party of the president, the guy that runs the executive branch, is the one who's going to get all the blame, and his party is going to get the blame, too, in a situation like this, in a circumstance where the country finds itself in so much difficulty, so many challenges, right? Usually that would be the case. But somehow the American people were able to see through the media smear campaigns and smoke screens and understand that, yeah, the rioting left-wing lunatic party Probably not who we want in charge going forward. Maybe they were able to convince enough folks that they're just exhausted by Trump personally, by his tweets, by the the loose cannon reality of of some of his counterpunching, right? Which is a, it's a true thing. The president is not always focused, but having a loose cannon, as I've said before, you want Doc Holliday to be carrying the street howitzer for those of you that remember the movie Tombstone. Because the other side gets a little bit more uneasy knowing that there's a guy out there who's actually willing to pull the trigger and he's got the big gun. Trump is somebody who fights back. We've known that all along. We've known what his position is on taking incoming from the media. He's going to give it back to the other side. And that's not going to stop. Where do they think the president, his supporters... His, his, his top advisors, his children, his family. Let's be clear about this. There are political aspirations in that family beyond President Trump. 
What do they think happens now? We're all going to be quiet. Unity, they scream. Unify with us or else. You will unify with us and you will kneel. No, I I say I say no. I say we're not going to do that. I'd rather continue the fight, continue to make the argument. Yes, respect the rules of our system, because that's essential to our side. We believe in rules and laws and the Constitution. We believe that we're having these political debates within a framework established by the framers, by the founding fathers. And we continue in that tradition. So win or lose in this presidential election, we are here to stay, friends. Trumpism is about so much more than any one policy issue. And yet, uh, yes, it's more than just the president himself. He has changed the mindset of people within the GOP and those, you know, rhino types who are seeing an opportunity now. Yeah, they're going to get on TV. They're going to be elevated by the other side because they're useful to the other side. But where is the base? Remember, the GOP was 97 percent in support of President Trump. That was while he was in office, still in office, of course. They think that that's all changed now, that in a in a fluke year, a total outlier, a lightning strike in the historical calendar of the 2020 presidential election year with covid just influencing everything. I'm making everyone more depressed, more frightened, less hopeful, less optimistic that the best they can do is squeak out maybe uh, a handful of states by 20, 30,000 votes under those circumstances, given what they were promising, which was five or six gained seats in the House of Representatives, likely Senate control of 50 or 51 votes to the Democrats and a Biden presidency, it turns out that they were wrong, as we know, and we'll continue to bash the pollsters because they deserve it. They were wrong on all counts. But what does that wrongness tell us? We, we go a little bit beyond just dancing on the grave of pollster credibility, which we're very aware is already a done deal. How did we get to this point? Well, because Trump transformed the GOP into a mechanism for fighting in our politics, for pushing back, for holding firm, for holding the line. That's what Trumpism is. You believe in something, you will push for that idea, and you will fight for that idea. You do so within the bounds of decency and honor. And look, I know sometimes Trump maybe could be a little gruff, but he did fight. And a lot of us saw what the results of that were. The mainstream media is never going to recover. The Democrat Party's perception of a controlled opposition GOP, that's not coming back. They realize now that we see them. They've been exposed. The left, the apparatus, the elites. And it even goes beyond just the left-right ideological separation. It goes into the apparatus of control in our system. And I mean general control, societal control. Who really supports the old way, the pre-Trump way of politics? Tech oligarchs, Hollywood, academia, Wall Street, corporate law. 
right? The big corporate law firms, they support that. They like that. They want to return to that old way. It's about more than any one policy issue. It's not it's not immigration or national security or the tax rate even for them. It's there's a way things are supposed to be done. There are certain people who are supposed to be in charge, making all the decisions and benefiting their friends and their cronies. And and Trump comes in and he smashes up that system quite a bit. He says, no, we know who you are. We know about the sellout of American interests by giant corporations, the K Street corridor in D.C., all those think tanks uh, and lobbyists, the, the sellout to China. What are we doing? Why would we ever have persisted in that delusion that allowing China to enrich itself at American expense is a good idea because the people in charge were benefiting from it? Why would we go along with the increasingly onerous tentacles of digital titan control from places like Google and Facebook because it's all so convenient. It's all so easy. So happy to see right now the explosion that's going on on Parler. Who is calling in June for unsinkable aircraft carriers of free speech for our side? Not explicitly conservative, just not going to play the left wing censorship game. I, I, I told you about that. Rush Limbaugh, God bless him, read every word of that thread on his show. There were a couple of conservatives who care only about their turf and their millions, and they had a problem with that thread and actually attacked me for it. Oh, it was whining. Yeah, really? No, it was actually a rallying cry to get other people like me who have a lot that they want to share out there to know that there are places where we can go and we can be a part of creating our own, shall I say, mainstream media of building up platforms so that we can finally go tank to tank on the battlefield with them instead of, well, we can all pile into this one vehicle and it doesn't really have any armor and we might run out of gas, but, you know, conservatism is used to that. No. Build more, build out, create our own platforms and institutions. That doesn't mean abandon the other ones. It means use them and use our own stuff. It means growth instead of trying to just squeeze whatever we're given, the scraps from the table of the libs and the mainstream media. This is all, friends, Trumpism. This was not the mentality under what would have been a Romney administration, but it was not the mentality under the Bush administration either. There it was compassionate conservatism. We're going to meet the left in the middle. We'll bring them over to our side. Bring them over to your side. They want to get you fired from your job, deplatformed off of the Internet, ruined and humiliated. You, you want to just try to buy them off? Treat them like Obama treated the mullahs? Send them pallets of cash? Hope they stop being so mean to you? No. The Trump movement lives on, friends. And there are still, even in this very challenging time of COVID, there are still victories to speak of. The Senate victory in Alaska puts us one step closer to GOP control, which means that Joe Biden's agenda for the next two years is going nowhere. Nowhere. And the pitiful executive actions and the nonsense wokeness and social justice will try to inflict on us 
We'll just show people the Democrats are an unserious party for unserious people when it comes to policies that are supposed to benefit the American people, when it comes to ideological acts that are meant as a show. Yeah, they're really good at that. Virtue signaling is an area where they excel. Making your life better, making it easier for you to pay your mortgage, not so much. Not so much. Don't listen to the exaggerated claims of Trumpism's demise, friends. It's not true. And the left is waking up to this now. Thanks for listening to the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. Get more from Buck by following him on social media at Buck Sexton on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And don't forget to visit BuckSexton.com. Let me just say uh, about uh, your comment and question about the president and the reckoning that clearly is not happening with the GOP. The fact that he won almost 71 million votes nationwide in the popular vote. The Republicans who I talk to see that and know that this is Trump's political party and will be for a long time, whether he is president or not, whether he runs in 2024 or not. He has a platform, as you said at the top of the show, he wants to continue his uh, his political situation with the, with the, with the PAC. And there a lot of people who I talk to say they're worried that he is go- or they believe that he's going to start some television network where he's going to have uh, another place for that megaphone right. besides Twitter and, and elsewhere. I love it. It's great, isn't it? For everything that Donna Bosch, everything she says there is true. It is possible for accurate analysis to come out of the mouth of somebody on CNN. It does, ha- it does happen on occasion, even when they're talking about Trump. <clears throat> this is Trump's political party. There is no realistic. There is no realistic future of the GOP that anyone can see right now that does not involve the Trump approach. And yes, the voice of Donald Trump himself and many others who have been critical to this administration going forward. What they, they think that we can't build and grow and do more over the next two years. Remember, Trump also got unprecedented, the highest in 50 years support among African-Americans, among Latinos. Oh, wouldn't that be amazing? I want in the, in the next election, I want control of the House to flip because of African-American GOP voters. Oh, wouldn't that be amazing? As part of this Trump movement continuing to grow, why is that not possible? Someone look at the numbers and tell me. Not the polls, which are bullcrap, as we know. Look at the actual numbers. Look at Latinos. Turns out Latinos like that the person running the country more so than they did in the past with the GOP approach that we've seen. They like a GOP leader who will say that they're going to put the interests of Americans like them first. They like somebody who wants uh, to make it easier for small businesses. That's what we see happening right now. We were being told that the GOP was a dead party. It's not going to happen. It's just for old, bitter white men. That's their line about about Donald Trump in 2016, right? It was even referred to on CNN as a, quote, white lash. Remember that? End quote. And yet... Now we see that wasn't true at all, just like the polls were not true. And they're lying about Trump as a white nationalist and all this. I mean, this is this was always just a vicious, ugly smear, a Kavanaugh style smear. That was what calling Trump a white nationalist was all about. Just 
make the accusation, lie about it to create fake evidence, which is what they do with the both people, both sides comment, right? People on both sides lie about it as much as you have to. Democrats are seeing now, Okay, yeah, you're going to have to you're going to have to go around with a little bib and clean up the corners of Joe Biden's mouth all the time when he gets a, you know, a little bit a little bit confused about what's going on. You're going to have to go do a lot of cleanup on aisle four for good old blue collar Joe. While the Trump movement now just gets to operate entirely freely. And again, I know that we're still counting votes. I know it's not over, but I'm I got to be able to look into the future from all of the stuff that I'm saying remains true, even if Trump wins in terms of the movement, in terms of its trajectory. What, what do Democrats have? Where's the enthusiasm? They built a, a political opposition based on hatred of one man and spite toward his 70 million plus supporters. What's their great idea? All their real ideas. Say what you will about the socialists in the Democrat Party. They got ideas, not good ones. But they got ideas. What did Joe Biden even run on? Does anyone even remember? Hey, you know, I'm gonna, you know we're going to do the good things and we're going to listen to the science and I'm reading off a of cue cards and I'm in the basement. Seven little chipmunks sitting on a branch eating a lot of acorns out of Uncle Joe's ranch. Right? Well, what exactly did this guy run on? What ideas does he represent? Yeah, I understand. They'll say, yeah, look at the scoreboard. The scoreboard was very close, friends. It's still very close, and they're still waiting to certify votes. But this is the best they could do in a pandemic year? It was supposed to be a wipeout. And th- we were demoralized. The GOP. I- You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. Oh, the journos are in panic. Which is so weird because their their preferred candidate, they think, won, right? So what's what's the big deal, guys? Calm down. It's all going to be fine. Live in the now. Take a chill. Why got to be all crazy, Democrat journos? Why? Why can't you just relax a little bit? Wouldn't that be better? You got so many of them now going, oh, he's never going to leave. What's going to happen? Here's a... John Harwood over at CNN, he's, he's one of the, the anti-Trumpers that pretends to be a journo. Play 12. Look, the president has been uh, hunkered down in the White House, mostly watching television, reacting to television, not uh, uh, by any outward sense uh, doing the job of president in this deadly pandemic, except for um, uh, firing a bunch of people who had uh, stood up to him, like Mark Esper, the uh, former defense secretary. Um, uh, The president's obviously struggling psychologically to accept his defeat uh, while he is doing so. Uh, He is forcing the entire Republican Party to acquiesce uh, in this charade, in part because they're trying to uh, motivate their base for a couple of Senate elections in Georgia uh, in January. Uh, And the question is going to be, how long can the president maintain this position? How long will Republicans stay with him? Yeah, that's a journalist, folks. That's what he would tell you. That's the claim he'd make. Doing a little bit of... uh on-the-fly psych analysis there. Well, the president's psychologically struggling. The president's fine. There's nothing about what's going on right now that is outside of the rules established before this election. When I mean the, the challenges being brought state by state. 
Nothing. It's no part of this that should worry anyone. But you'll notice the journalists are terrified. And I think it's because they've really overpromised themselves. They thought we're going to win this election by a lot and Trump will be repudiated. People will be ashamed, ashamed of the moments that they wore MAGA hats and not just people in the media. Fake Tapper, who is among the most thin skinned and really, uh, well, fraudulent and vile people in the mainstream media. Just ask anybody who's ever had fake Tapper crawl into their DMs on Twitter and threaten their career. One of his favorite things to do, as if he's in a position to do that. Uh, fake Tapper said on on Twitter publicly what a lot of us know is his is his general mentality, which is think about how employers during this difficult time, people should think about how employers will view the way they acted. Wait, what? It's a not subtle way of a fake Tapper at CNN telling people, you know, now is your chance to turn on Trump. Now is your chance, especially if you're in the media. You, you turn on Trump now, may, maybe maybe there'll be a little room for you over at uh, CNN or one of these other places. You know, you, you j- jump ship at this moment. Come on. We're about to we're about to storm the castle. You want to betray your side? Hand over the keys, make it a little easier for us. We'll, we'll treat you nicely. We promise what they're finding out is that everybody who has been shields high for Trump all along is standing there, gripping their battle axe, gripping their two handed sword, uh, their claymore, if you will, sword and then turned into a mine later. And they're saying, no, we, we're going to fight this one out. Metaphorically, folks, obviously, just in, just in case the, the scum from Media Matters wants to clip that one out, metaphorically speaking. No, we're going to fight. We're going to fight until we are, we are truly beaten in this, in this battle, or until we win, obviously, and then we'll move on. Not before then. Not before then. We're not going to bend the knee, didn't stop, because the day after the election, not on election night, Joe Biden got a slim margin of victory in a handful of states. It didn't turn into, oh, yeah, sure, we're, we're, let's all bend the knee. OK, let's go back to let's go back to the Romney McCain version of things where we're like, you know, gosh, darn it. You guys just keep beating us and you keep inflicting your horrible policies on us and doing all these terrible things that we don't like. But, you know, as long as you say we're good losers, we're OK with that. As long as you say we're gracious in defeat. Oh, we'll be we'll be. uh you know, reasonable in defeat when we're sure we're defeated and not before then. The libs do not <laughs> like this. Here's 13. Well, it's significant because it's not just norm breaking, but it's completely inappropriate uh, and unpresidential and, and very unlike the United States of America. But I still think it's the former. I think it's the petulance. I think it's the denial. And it's the most unsurprising thing we've seen in the history of Donald Trump as president, uh, to argue that something is rigged, uh, not to play by the rules, uh, to lead his uh, supporters along. Um, Donald Trump has a death grip over the grassroots of the Republican Party, and that didn't change in the aftermath of this election. Ah, the last thing he said is somewhat accurate analysis. I don't I wouldn't say death grip, but yeah, the, the grassroots of the GOP are still with Trump. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's such a lack of self-awareness from journalists on this issue. You have to remember they they promoted the Russia collusion hoax 
for four years now. I mean, they still will say there was something there or we just haven't found it yet, which was all just a denial of the 2016 election. And they created extra legal processes to go after the president. They abused FISA. Right. They did things that should never have been done that were wrong to do. They broke process and precedent to undo the 2016 election. They were unsuccessful, but they tried. And now they're they're referring to our ability to use the process legitimately and honestly to verify what's happened here. And they act like that's the, the horrible transgression. No, sorry. We remember that they can gaslight all they want. They can play this game all day long. We remember. And we're not going to change. We're not going to back down on this one. And it's dawning on them that the 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 exuberance, the dancing in the streets, the partying. Yeah, it's all over. What's all over? You're going to have doddering old Joe Biden in the White House, maybe uh, trying to sign executive orders. You know what's going to happen to those executive orders when they're unconstitutional, which they certainly some of them will be. Challenge them in court, just like just like the libs did to Trump. And they challenge them in bad faith. I mean, they, they just run off knowing that some that some activist judge on the Ninth Circuit will give them whatever policy outcome they want until the Supreme Court overturns them. Supreme Court. Keep, that's how we know they're wrong. Right. The Supreme Court keeps looking at this and sometimes nine. Oh, they'll say, no, you can't. No, guys, you can't just stop him because he's Trump. Sorry. Even some of the libs on the Supreme Court would have to say, well, you know, no, you can't do that. Ah, yes. They're realizing right now that they've set something of a template here, haven't they? That the libs, the Democrats refusal to accept the 2016 election and the hashtag resistance all around it. We're not going to be a bunch of lunatics like they were. We're not going to destroy things. We're not going to attack people. We don't do that. But we are going to approach it with the same tenacity that they did. We are going to take a look at what they've what they've done until now and make them live in a country where we're going to use all of the levers of power within the system we can to our advantage as well. It's not going to be a one way street anymore. It's going to go two ways. And that, I think, is is important to remember here. You know, Joe Biden's out there saying that that Trump needs to concede, of course, play 17. Sir, what do you say to the Americans that are anxious over the fact that President Trump has yet to concede and what that might mean for the country? Well, um, I just think it's an embarrassment, quite frankly. Uh, The only thing that, uh, how can I say this uh, tactfully? I I think it will not help the president's legacy. I think that uh, I know from my discussions with foreign leaders thus far that they are hopeful that the United States democratic institutions are viewed once again as being strong and enduring. But I think at the end of the day, you know, it's all going to come to fruition on January 20th. And between now and then, my hope and expectation is that the American people are, do know, and do understand that there has been a transition. There has not been a transition. The votes have not been certified. There are legal challenges. They're the ones that are denying process. Maybe Joe Biden won. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm not saying that didn't that didn't happen. The president goes further than I will go right now, but he's he's in the fight and he's at the forefront of it. But when they say that this is already a done deal, that's not 
true. It is not a done deal. They can say it. They can repeat it as much as they want. It's not true. And was it un-American and terrifying when in 20, uh, 2000, rather, uh, Al Gore took it to court for weeks and weeks and weeks? Apparently said there's no need to be snippy when he told Bush that he was retracting, retracting his concession. Right. Don't be you don't need to be snippy about it. Uh, I'd be pretty snippy about it. But would that be better? Would that seem more honest for Trump to concede and then go to court? Think about the pathway that they're leaving open to him. As I've been telling you, if he conceded, but then was bringing court challenges, they'd say that he's being a duplicitous and that would be undermining our system. How, how could he be doing this? So was it yes or no? Was it un-American, unpresidential for Al Gore to bring the legal challenges that he did, which were very straightforward? He just kept looking to have recounts done in specific counties in Florida and not statewide. And he kept cherry picking. Well, I want to recount, you know, in Miami Dade, but I don't want to recount in the panhandle. You know, I want to recount here. I don't want to recount there. Uh, mm, no, that's not the way it's supposed to go. And then years later, it turned out there was ne- Al Gore lost Florida. There was never a vote tally that could be done on legally cast ballots that put Al Gore ahead. Never happened. But you don't hear them talking about how that was so unpresidential and terrifying and and un-American. And what are we going to do? What are we going to do? They can't handle it, friends. Oh, and just like how it's somehow uh, not a violation of the Logan Act. It's a violation of the Logan Act for the incoming Trump National Security Advisor General Flynn to have a phone call with Sergey Kizilyak. That, they'll say, is a violation of the Logan Act, even though... No one really believes that. But now Biden, who is not yet even the president-elect, but claims he is, is having calls with foreign leaders. That seems interesting. Play 16. First of all, uh, I'm letting him know that America's back. Uh, We're going to be back in the game. It's not American alone. Number one, I've got had the opportunity to speak uh, with uh, now uh, six world leaders. um, And uh, and uh, the response has been very fulsome, energetic, and uh, they're all looking forward to being able to, from from Great Britain to, to France to Germany to uh, Canada, etc., and Ireland. Um, so I, I feel good about the ability to... I said when we announced that the next president is going to inherit a divided country and a world in disarray. The reception and welcome we've gotten around the world from our allies and our friends has been real. I have a number of other calls to return. And uh, so I feel confident that we're going to be able to uh, put the America, put America back in uh, the, the place of respect that it had before. The world in disarray. How is the world in disarray exactly? Because we haven't invaded a country we didn't need to. Is that why the world's in disarray? What, what exactly is Joe Biden referring to? That the world is in clearly better shape now with the exception of covid which is not trump's fault despite all the stuff they say better shape now from a national security perspective during the obama years rise of isis collapse in iraq afghanistan the fight against the taliban more u.s casualties than at any point during the bush administration the collapse of libya the toppling of Gaddafi. we had slave markets operating on the libyan coast 
and mass executions by beheading of Christians, barely even getting much notice in the news as it was happening under the Obama administration because so much bad crap was going on. And we're going to talk about a world in disarray. That's delusional. But Biden's delusional. And also, based on the standards that the Libs set up, we should have Logan Act investigations of everybody involved in those phone calls now, right? That's what we're supposed to do, right? That's what, that's what the Democrats did to General Flynn. Clear case. We all know it. Now, I don't think that should be done to anyone, but the, but the point is here, they're frauds and hypocrites, and they weaponized a law that no one really believes in to go after Trump's national security advisor, and they want to talk about transitions. Thanks for listening to the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. Back to the idea of the unsinkable aircraft carriers of free speech. That's the phrase that I tried to popularize on Twitter um, uh, back in June. And uh, the, the, greatest, the greatest radio host of all time, Rush Limbaugh, was kind enough to read, read that whole thread, as you know, on his show. I bring it up again because we're seeing that happen now. And we are seeing some GOP billionaires behind the scenes, but I know, some, I know some of the players involved. I know some of them, not well personally, but I know who they are and I've talked to them. And they're stepping up because why should we concede this advantage? What do you think it's worth in every presidential election to have 90% plus? It's really about 95% if you did a head count in news media. 95 out of 100 people in news media are either, you know, leftists or center left. And you will get a handful of center left people in media who, who can do their jobs with some honesty. I will say that they exist. They're very rare. I mean, they're, they're unicorn status. Uh, well, I guess unicorns don't technically exist, but uh, they're like a a white rhinoceros, I think they're the most or one of them is really, really endangered. I forget either the black rhino or the white rhino is really, really endangered. One of those. They're rare, but they exist. They're rare, but they exist. Otherwise, media matters. Buck Sexton thinks unicorns are real. No, no, not not quite. Uh, but why do we concede that advantage to the other side? Why do we do that? Look at the way we view different different voting demographics and how we break this down and we get into all the data all across the country. Look at the way that we will say we need to go from, um, you know, let's say 20% Latino support to 35% Latino support to win the following states. Or we need, you know, white working class voters in the Rust Belt to vote at this percentage. Or we need African-American voters in the South to come out for the GOP in these numbers to win, right? We, we do this analysis all the time. That's what people in politics are constantly doing. And as we see from the pollsters, a lot of them get it wrong, but we're focused on that. Yet we just assume that we can win elections when a constituency that has more reach and spends more of its time involved in creating perception and making people think certain things that will then affect their voting patterns than anybody else, the media, we're all just, you know, there's, there's limited bandwidth at Fox News. You know, they only have so many hours in the day. You, you can only have so many people on TV at one time. And some of them are liberals, as you're seeing. So keep that in mind. There are no liberals at CNN. 
No one at CNN who's an anchor goes on TV and says, you know, Joe Biden's being a jerk about this whole concession thing. Trump's right. Nope, not going to happen. At Fox, that happens. At Fox, they have anchors who will ask the president during a nationally televised debate if he's a if he supports white nationalism. You'll notice that doesn't exist at the other networks. You, you think you're going to keep your job at MSNBC if you go on TV and say, you know, Joe Biden kind of does seem like he might have early stage dementia. <laughs> yeah, you're gone. Why do we concede? Oh, just one note. You know, MSNBC, John Meacham. People have always been telling me, read John Meacham biography. I won't do it. I won't do it. I know his Hamilton biography is the basis for the Hamilton Broadway play. The Hamilton Broadway play is 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 pretty unwatchable. I wouldn't even say I don't think it's good. I, I couldn't even get through it. I watched it. I never went, paid the eight hundred dollars, whatever it was for a ticket. Um, I thought it was it was absurd. But John Meacham was a paid on air analyst analyzing a speech about honor or largely about honor in politics that he was a consultant and I believe helped write for Joe Biden. So isn't that great? That's the perfect encapsulation, though, of how of how the establishment media, the elite media operates. You want to get paid to go on TV and analyze as an independent you know, journalist mind or whatever, presidential historian. They love presidential historians. I'm like, what? What do they know? They don't know anything more about contemporary politics than anybody else just because they've written a couple of histories that nobody, well, Meacham's books have been well read. I will, I will admit that. I do live in reality. Uh, but, you know, MSNBC didn't tell anybody this guy was involved in the speech that he's on air analyzing, so now they, they, ha- they, they ended his contributor gig. Only because he got found out on this one. But could you imagine? If I had written a President Trump speech and then I appeared on TV to talk about, you know what, that speech was fantastic. <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't people think I was kind of being a jerk? Uh, turns out this stuff happens all the time in liberal media because they have half the country as a constituency. They've got 50 percent roughly of, of Americans who don't really want to get a daily dose of news that's like America's awful and racist and we should beg other countries to be nicer to us. And, oh, yeah, climate change is going to drown us all in 10 years, we swear. If, if you don't want to hear that, you really only have one option. Ah, but that's changing now, isn't it? I have a show on the first TV. The first TV has, has Bill O'Reilly, Dana Lash, Jesse Kelly, me, a whole bunch of great contributors. We're building out. And I want to see other places build out, too. I, I want to see more of this. Why do we spend we spend so much time on the right dealing with and many of you don't know this, but there's a lot of infighting that goes on. Uh, there are people that all they want to do is make sure they, they hold on to their little perch and they just go around pushing down all the other conservatives that they can, that they view as a threat. You know, they'll have some people on as guests, there, but other people they'll, they'll push down as a threat. They don't want them to get any bigger. D- does the left have to do that? Really? Not not in the same way. Not at all. You don't like being at CNN? Go to MSNBC. See how good your show can be there. Doesn't work there? Go to NPR. Doesn't work there? Be a lunatic and go work for the Young Turks. I mean, there's endless options. Endless options. But we, we get fixed in this place where we have, you know, one major national newspaper that's establishment and not communist, but it is establishment. That's the Wall Street Journal. And it's kind of a Paul Ryan style GOP approach. I mean, there are some conservatives right there. I think Kim Strassel's stuff is great. There are other people. Why should we concede this? 
We can we actually can do something about this. And all of you can do something about this. People ask me, what can we do for the movement? We have to win the cultural battle, too. We have to support the platforms that we believe share our views. And that means with downloads, with dollars, with action. I'm telling you this. I mean, I, I feel very strongly. I've been somebody for a long time. Whenever I've got a friend who writes a book, they'll say, I'll send you a copy. I say, no, let me buy it. I'll go on Amazon. Let me buy your book. I want to support you. Right. And, and there are different people who, you know, I, I don't really have the time to listen to other people's podcasts, but I used to listen to them history podcasts. And, you know, I, when they would talk about a sponsor, I would go and, and check out and see, well, could I use this? Is this a product I'd like? And that's how we do this. Or you can just keep getting CNN running endless, you know, Mercedes Benz and Delta Airlines and all these blue chip, you know, wonderful companies that pay top dollar and just jamming their lib propaganda through CNN down your throat all the time. And then them, them scoffing at conservatives because, you know, we've got these networks that run out of money and don't have enough viewers and don't know what. The, that's how we that's part of Trumpism, too. And that's why they're terrified at the idea that Trump may build his own network or may just join some network, join forces with something or someone out there. Think about that. What was the X factor in 2016 that led to the biggest presidential upset of my lifetime, of of any of our lifetimes? What was the X factor? Donald Trump was able to take his message right to the people. And because of social media, and this was before Twitter had decided that it was going to be giving in-kind contributions in quite the same way to the DNC because of all of that. Donald Trump was able to get around the usual barriers and to form his own to form his own narrative of his of his ascension, to form his own narrative around his campaign and people were exposed to it. And instead of having to go beg as GOPers in the past did when when they would, you know, when there'd be fake news about them, fake news is not new. Trump just calls it out. He says, wait, hold on a second. That's crap. And it's intentional. Not some good faith error from the New York Times. Well, Trump is able to tweet out to his whatever it is now, 80 million followers, something like that. He's able to tweet it out. And we all know what his response is right away. We don't have there's no filter. He doesn't have to go beg. One of these Sunday shows, okay, we'll have you on. And they have some journos, you know, really trying hard to sound authoritative. And, you know, thank you for being here, sir. And we're journalists, and we're going to ask you the tough questions. A bunch of lib propagandists. He doesn't have to go through that filter. In fact, if anything, I, I think the administration spent too much time on, on some of these platforms that were just take down Trump operations. You know, I, I don't know why they gave some of the interviews and access they did. I think it was a mistake in the comm shop. Just going to tell you that, you know, that's another conversation. But this is all coming together now. I don't know if they'll call it Trump TV, but if they form something, if they build a network, it also takes all the, all the culture that has been built around this, all the America pride that goes into MAGA. I mean, I can't tell you how much you, you go on the internet and you get into these Trump, pro-Trump areas, and uh, you know there are people who are making hilarious memes. There are guys who are, who are grilling steaks and talking about you know, their, their love for America, and they're building their own followings, and they're part of the, the MAGA revolution. 
you see, and I've never, I've never seen this before. In in the MAGA realm, you will see, you know, uh, young guys, lovely young women who are pro Trump, who are proud of it, and who, you know, will, will put it out there. And, and it's just there's this whole this whole shift in thinking. And even if even if we lost this one, I mean, it was a miracle that Trump won in 2016 with the forces arrayed against him. So now we're going to see, we're going to count these votes, we're going to look for this fraud, find out what really has happened. But this is all moving in the right direction. I'm here to bring you the good news. And the good news is MAGA is here to stay, friends. Trumpism is going to surge, especially when you see some of the decisions that these uh, Democrats are going to be making if Biden takes office, which they're all assuming he is, of course. And that leads us then to, oh my gosh, the panic, the panic around how Trump hasn't left yet. The pearl clutching for libs is really central now to their politics. They think that we're all going to just react the same way they do and they go, oh my gosh, good heavens. Trump is such a, He's such a monster. He hasn't already left. The, he's still the president till January, you jerks. Calm down, libs. But they can't. They just can't. 